You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and oh, do we have a good show for you today. Our featured guest is Wayne Pinnell, Managing Partner at Haskell & White. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. And of course, all of our shows can be heard live exclusively on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our advertisers, Brandman University, Center Club, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Smart Business Magazine, S&H Rubber, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs who are running middle market firms, to improve your decision-making skills. Wayne, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Rick. Good to be here. It's nice to have you here. Let's start very simply for those that may not have heard your first show either live on OC Talk Radio or as a podcast off of iTunes or Stitcher. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your professional background, kind of your path to being the managing partner at Haskell & White? Well, do you want me to start with the paper route I had when I was 11 or a little bit more current than that? I usually think this is a couple-minute conversation, so you decide. <laughs> so, well, after college, I started with a national firm really through an intern program while I was in school in New York City. I moved out to L.A. to start full-time with them. You had a paper route in New York City? No, I act New Jersey. Okay. So do New Jersey. It's okay. a little safer. All right. I'm still on a bicycle with uh. a big bag over my shoulder. Um, <laughs> but uh, Morning I, or afternoon paper? It was an afternoon paper. Okay. Yep. So after school, you after had to school, get home and... Put the bag on the shoulder and head on up. the bike and up and down the street chucking papers at doorways. Which is nice in the spring and the summer and the fall, but not such a great thing in the winter. Not so much. Okay. No. So, sorry. Okay, let's go back to your professional career after you started professional work. Right. So, I, I interned with a national firm in New York while I was finishing up my senior year of college. Worked at a full-time start with them in Los Angeles. Hmm. A couple of years later, they bought a practice in Orange County. And since I was living in Orange County, it was an easy, easy migration to move into that office where I served that firm for another eight-plus years. So, after nearly 11, I made the decision to switch to Haskell White, which will be 19 years ago, come, oh. come next month. Congratulations. Yeah. Did you premeditate the move from New York to L.A.? Yes. There's a personal reason that all came about. My, uh, my wife is actually my high school sweetheart. So, we were going to high school together, obviously, college together. Okay. Her parents ended up moving during my senior year to sunny Southern California. Uh, she moved into a dorm, which was totally foreign to her. And uh, after a few months of doing dorm life, she could not stand that and got on a plane, came out here. She finished her college out at Chapman. I finished my schooling at Seton Hall and worked out the deal with the firm. I did the internship to start in L.A. Wow. That was... Busy summer. What a fantastic set of circumstances (laughs) that brought you west, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everything fell into place in the summer of 85, and uh, here I am. The summer of 85. Summer of 85. Yeah, I'll check that. Yeah, I came out here in the winter of 81. Yeah. From Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Well, you know the weather back there, and you're, I'm glad to be here and not going back for that. I love this time of the year because now we can start to watch the Weather Channel to see the difference between the East Coast and the West Coast, the northern, the Northeast, and where we live. It's, right. It makes me appreciate living in Southern California and Orange County in particular. It's it is good to be here. It's been a little warm 
but you know, at hey. least these past couple of days have been nice to feel a little bit of cool in the air. So right, all right. So we're talking with Wayne Pinnell. He is managing partner at Haskell White, and as you can see here on Critical Mass Radio Show, we just don't talk business. We want to get to know the guest on a personal level as well. And since Wayne has been on the program before, I felt we can be a little more or a little less formal with him. And since we have him for the full show, why not spend a little bit more time getting to know him a little deeper and better? So let's talk about your firm. Haskell & White is a Southern California firm. Tell us a little bit about not only what you do, but why clients choose you. In other words, why are you? what's your differentiation over other firms who may suggest they do something similar to you? So set us up with the kind of work you do and the kind of clients and then why people select your firm. Okay. So our clients are typically middle market companies, uh, privately owned or publicly held. The common theme that they have is they're in a growth mode. They uh, typically will be with us um, on a seven-year average as they grow out of the box, grow into something bigger. We uh, recognize as middle market clients that uh, we help them grow, and sometimes we help them grow right out of our sandbox into somebody else's because they are maturing to that and they're becoming more international. And, you know, good for them, they'll outstrip sometimes the services we can provide. That being said, we have a traditional service theme. We provide audit services, tax services. We do the work with the public companies, as I mentioned, but we also work with M&A, mergers mm-hmm. and acquisition. So we really can handle a lot of our clients' aspects from out of the box, really to the sunset, if you will, where they have gone a full cycle in the, in the business world. Mm-hmm. What really, I think, sets us apart, it's a tagline we put on our cards, it's on all our marketing material, which is the value of experience. When you look at our partner group, our senior management group, there is a lot of years of experience that we have amongst us. Uh, some of us brought that from national firms, albeit for me it was 19 years ago. Some have come more recently. What we're bringing to the table, though, are experience levels that are on par with some of our competitors that are on larger firms. Okay. And so when you look at the value side, our experience might well exceed what somebody can offer at a competing firm at a billing rate that might be much higher than ours. So, okay. so we're really trying to combine that. We don't do fast and cheap, but we do value. So our goal is to always provide something that's in excess of the fees you're paying. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you highlighted firms that are in a growth mode or right. are growing. And you know, it wasn't that long ago firms were challenged to grow given the Great Recession. So I'm wondering, from what you're seeing since you're focusing on that, just talk to us a little bit in general terms about what your sense for the middle market firms in Southern California relative to their growth opportunities as compared to, say, last year we were on the show or three years ago. What, what's your firm seeing? Well, I think generally we're seeing an improvement. Uh, companies are doing more growing than they were a couple, three years ago where everybody was in the contraction mode. The economy, mm-hmm. quite frankly, stank or stunk whichever word we want to use there. So there are differences by industry sector. Some manage to grow in a down economy. Some manage to grow in an up or down economy. Some really feel it harder than others when the economy is down. I mentioned growing companies who we like to work with because you know the opportunities are much more fun and exciting mm-hmm. than a company that's really in a contracting, looking to cut costs anywhere they can. They have those types of challenges, though, that we can certainly lend a hand to. Sure. But growing provides much more opportunity for our staff to learn. There are transactions that come about. Just just more things that we can get involved with and help a client move to the next level. We're talking with Wayne Pinnell. He is managing partner at Haskell & White. You know, you, you opened up an idea. We don't have time now because we're going to take our first commercial break. But later in the show, since I have you for three more um, episodes here on Critical Mass Radio Show, three more segments, I, I do want to talk about... I think for a certain type of professional CPA, working for a firm like yours that sees these events, uh, 
private firms going public, public firms maybe merging, M&A work. That's very interesting and maybe different than working uh, exclusively with family-owned businesses or private firms. Nothing. I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm just saying it's different. So remind me, and I'll make a note. I'd like to bring that up because I think the work experience for the individuals might be a little differentiated working for Haskell and White as well. Sure. Okay. We're going to take a break right now here on Critical Mass Radio Show, and that was just one of the many things that I plan to ask Wayne Pinnell when we come back after these words from our commercial sponsors. Commercial Bank of California, or CBC, is a well-funded, full-service bank located in the heart of Orange County. CBC is ranked in the top 6% nationally for financial strength. Commercial Bank of California was founded in 2003 by a group of Orange County's finest entrepreneurs. To this day, our bank is governed by our founders, including General William Lyon of William Lyon Homes, Alex Morello of the Morello Group, and Frank Willie of Fidelity National Financial, to name a few. In short, we are a bank founded, built, and run by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Not every business in Orange County should be our customer. However, if your business is looking for a bank that can assist in finance, production, analytics, and risk management, there's no better bank to choose. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000 or visit us on the web at www.cbcal.com or at our new headquarters at 19752 MacArthur Boulevard in Irvine. Member FDIC. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Today's businesses are embracing voice over IP telephones and unified communication desktop technologies to more effectively communicate and collaborate with their customers, suppliers, and colleagues. The Reliatel management software from Tone Software Corporation helps organizations of all sizes manage their communications technologies to ensure great voice quality and better levels of service and reliability throughout their business. Through Reliatel, you'll gain higher return on investments from VoIP and unified communications technologies while lowering the associated operational support and maintenance costs. Learn more. Visit www.tonesoft.com or call 800-833-8663 for information on Reliatel by Tone Software, the solution for quality business communications. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, Wayne Pinnell. He is managing partner at Haskell & White, is our featured guest for today. 
before we get back to talking to Wayne, I just want to let you know that our audience has downloaded over 16,000 episodes of Critical Mass radio shows during the last 30 days. And we here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. Our downloads have doubled since January of 2013. All of our shows can be heard live on radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, hundreds of middle market business websites who had radio show guests and they put the show on their platform, as well as various business-oriented podcasting services. All right, Wayne, welcome back to the program. Let's talk a little bit about how your firm assesses a business and helps it to enhance its credibility and consistency of financial information. It's public companies are constantly under scrutiny. You know, we talked a little bit about that before the show, how Sarbanes-Oxley has changed the world, but it's really become the standard now for how people have to report and conform. So I'm really curious, you're working with middle market firms, public and private. How does your firm get in there and, and assess and help them? Well, you know, certainly from the auditing side, that's what we are generally charged with doing is helping provide credibility to the financial reporting. We're that, that party that's objective or external. We're trying to reduce the information risk to the users of financial statements by making sure the clients present things the way generally accepted accounting principles tell them to. That's all well and good, but when we're looking at how we help companies, public or private, they often have some common things. They've got a lot of growing pains. Uh, they tend to be sometimes short-staffed. Uh, they might be a little bit behind on technology, but there's some key things that they really should be doing for credibility. And one is to start with some basics and put some budgets in place. If, when they have budgets, they can look at those things uh, monthly, quarterly, and assess what's going on, make some decision points about where, they're, where they've been, where they're going, re-effort, uh, reorganize their efforts, and make sure they stay on task. Mm-hmm. Being consistent in how they handle their books, using the same accounting methods, not picking new ones every year using good cutoffs at the end of the months, end of the quarters, really knowing what's going on and keeping to task. Same schedule every month, getting the routine down, closing like clockwork, just knowing how that's going to come together. Obviously, self-serving as it may be, we want those clients to have the access and use the resources of a qualified accounting firm, hence our firm. Amen. Um, Amen. But the other thing, too, is when they're looking at um, budgets, they're looking at their operations, they're monitoring it, putting key indicators in place, things that are going to make them make decisions on real-time basis, not right. not looking at financial reports for last month at the end of this month. It's too late to make course corrections sometimes. Right. But when they're dealing with their banks, probably the primary user for most financial information for private companies anyway, uh-huh. it's important to talk to the bank early. If you sense a problem coming, you've got a covenant looming in front of you that you're not going to hit, talk to them. We found that some banks, more so than others, but some banks are, are willing to look at those things early. Maybe they make an early adjustment on a proactive basis, change, change out the covenant. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're dealing with the bank from a credibility standpoint, tell them where you are, tell them what you're doing about it, and then actually do what you said you were going to do. Sounds simple. It, it sounds simple, but um, you can't you can't fluff them. You're going to you're going to tail your uh, you're going to track yourself right into a corner. Right. But if you're upfront with them. It's a communication thing. It's still a relationship thing. What we do with our clients is a relationship. What the client does with the bank, it's a relationship. People need to know what's going on. People generally don't like to find surprises. I was You read my mind because that's one of the things that I learned as I went through my career in the corporate world. Bad news is bad. Surprising bad news is worse. That right? is true. You that never true. surprise your boss with bad news. You know, you gotta you got to figure out a way to start giving that information early and often. 
in hopes that maybe they can actually help you to adjust it. As you were talking, many of the things you're talking about, the disciplines, budgeting, comparing budget to forecast, predicting, getting a baseline of performance, those just feel like best practices for a well-run middle market firm, regardless of their legal status, private or public. Do, do you find in your experience that the requirements for reporting sort of instill a level of discipline in some private companies that because they have to comply, that actually there's an unintended benefit and consequence of that? Well, I think there is an unintended benefit to private companies coming off the heels of what the public companies have gone through. They, okay. They've seen, say, their bigger brothers go through this process. They know that the public companies have to adhere to higher standards with internal controls and different types of reporting levels, and the scrutiny is so much greater because of the quarterly SEC filings at a minimum. The private companies, I think, get to to learn from that. Mm-hmm. The firms like us that serve both markets, we can bring that information to the private companies and share with them, as you pointed out, best practices, right. what those things really are. Um, and let's face it, a lot of private companies do sometimes grow up to either be public companies or get acquired by one. Right, have a liquidity event. Right. Right. And aren't they sort of expected, or wouldn't it be nice to have those types of historical reporting and metrics in place when you go out either for a to deal with your banker and a new loan, or if you have an, a, a strategic investor or wants to buy you or something? I mean, it just seems to me that that level of discipline is not a bad thing for any company, although um, sometimes it's it's a lot of work that maybe doesn't need to be done in, 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 a, in a family business or a private company, but they could benefit from learning from their peers that happen to be public companies. Well, I mean, certainly they can benefit, and if they, they really are able to look at their horizon, the ownership will change one way or the other someday, and planning for that event, and if you, you look at two companies, one that's been well-run and one that's not in the same business, I can tell you the, the premium of the well-run mm. company that can produce good information is going to certainly outweigh right. the extra costs and efforts that somebody's going to have to go through to buy one that they're not sure what's in there. Right. So I think working with a firm like yours, if you're a fa- if you're a private business owner or a family business, maybe they're the same thing, being able to pick and choose some of the best practices of the mandated public companies, what they have to do, is a good way, I think, to begin to... I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but sort of professionalize your operation as well. You could standardize some of the reporting and be able to then be a little more transparent with your financial information because it's it's more easily understood. Well, that that is certainly true. And when you look at companies that start up out of the box, there is an entrepreneur. The entrepreneur is the idea person. The entrepreneur, I guarantee, most times is not the accounting person. And so as they grow up and they see their company building around them, usually the first thing that suffers is infrastructure. Uh And it's infrastructure and just basic accounting. Um, Entrepreneurs might run their business from a standpoint of how much cash is in the bank, which is important, but it's not really a meaningful, generally accepted accounting principles metric. (laughs) (laughs) It's expected that you have the cash in the bank. You want cash. You want to be able to generate cash, but you want to know why you're generating cash, where it's coming from from the customer standpoint, where you have to spend it on the expense side. So, yes, certainly putting all those things into place early can help the business owner have a little bit more ammunition to go out to deal with a bank or to go out to deal with a potential suitor, business partner, joint venture partner, vendor, creditor, whomever they might be dealing with. Right. I I, um – I remember back when I got my MBA from the uni- from Pepperdine University, and two of the classes we had to take were accounting and finance and then statistics. And I came away from that having been in my career in sales and marketing up to that point with a fundamental realization that the language of business 
is accounting and finance. You can say whatever you want in your strategic planning and your PowerPoint slide deck and all the rest of that. That's very important, and you have to have a vision and all that. But if the language of business, which is the accounting system, tells one story, it doesn't matter what else you put around that. That's the business. At the end of the day, it's what the financial reporting system says about the business is health. Well, that is why for every college major in business, you get you have to take at least a couple basic accounting courses. Right. And you may hate it. And those that hate it will never enter my profession, which is just fine. Right. Um, I have I, a healthy respect for it, but no interest in it. No, and, it, and it's it clearly it's not for everybody. I mean, I you know my daughter went from one major to another. She tried business, and as much as I teach at Cal State Fullerton, I had a hard time teaching my daughter accounting, and and she knows it. And she said, "Well, that's not for me." And mm-hmm. she went on to something else in PR and marketing. So right. you, you got to find your spot. But you're right; the language of business starts when you're communicating the growth of the business. The the business status, the financial picture, it's all based in accounting principles. Right. We're going to take our next break. We're talking with Wayne Pinnell, having a thoughtful conversation about a range of topics for lower and middle market firms who are private or public. He is managing partner at Haskell & White, and we're going to be back after these words from our commercial sponsors. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. of consumer packaged goods and retail products fail miserably within their first year? Why? Because they find themselves in the pit of unawareness. You don't want to go there. Call me and I'll make sure that your packaging gets noticed. You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com. We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia. That's myself. 714-458-8701. I'll be waiting for your call. UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. 
Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. Sorry about that. This is Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Wayne Pinnell is our featured guest today. He's managing partner at Haskell & Wake, but you knew that because you've been listening to the show. I'd like to let you know that our audience is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests, like Wayne. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio show is the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of the program. And with our exclusive prospect engagement program, we deliver up to 20 three warm prospects to each of our platinum advertisers each year. If you'd like to learn more about this program, then contact Rose Chamora, 951-515-4661. That's 951-515-4661. You may not want to call her in the next 20 minutes if you're listening to the show live. She's sitting here in the studio participating in the conversation with Wayne Pinnell, but anytime after uh, top of the hour, she'll be very available to talk to you about our prospect engagement program all right let's talk about the employee benefits this is a big and confusing issue i you know i see it mainly through private companies because most of the firms that i work directly with are privately held firms but i'm wondering can you share from your perspective because i'm sure you're one of the key trusted advisors they're going to in your organization as well to try to figure out the employee benefits on a from a private perspective but also from a public company perspective yeah you know i actually think this is one issue that transcends public or private because all companies have employees and so what you're really trying to do with an employee benefit program is cover needs of employees on one hand a social responsibility you might have another or actually a legal responsibility that's mandated by uh, federal state government so when you're looking at these programs which run the gamut from you know 401k type plans to even medical dental vision care those types of things there are a lot of things to consider and if you don't have those plans you're probably behind what your competitors are doing. But it's important to understand, first off, what your employees might need, of course, what you're mandated to provide. And, right. and with the um, latest legislation, when you get to be over 50, it's been that way for a while, but when you're over 50 employees, there's things you have to do. You don't have a choice when you were smaller. So when you start providing those things, it's interesting to figure out, well, what can you put in place that's going to make an employee happy so, therefore, you're meeting a need. Right. What type of thing do you put in place because there's a competitive advantage to do so or there's a competitive requirement to do so because the other company down the street has those types of plans? So getting that competitive knowledge is very important to help put a plan together. And really looking at what plans are available, the best way to do it would be to get a really good broker or benefits advisor in there mm-hmm. to help you explore the market if you've got the availability of of uh, a uh, market research material or or a peer group where you have conversations, business owners will share information with each other. Right. What, what are you doing, Rick, on your business? Or, you know, Rose, what do you have in your company? Right. Let's figure out what things we can look at. So, you know, our firm, we're part of a, an alliance network. We share information all the time with our alliance partners from benefits to operations, et cetera. So we have the availability that have information, mm-hmm. but we also have legal counsel. We have benefits advisors and brokers and insurance folks that, you know, we call to get the latest information. Because it's, it's, it's kind of evolving too, right? I mean, the regulations aren't, I mean, they're still kind of like with any major national law and 
the regulations have to catch up to the spirit and the implementation of the programs. Well, the, the regulations, and if we want to, you know, name one, I mean, Obamacare was a huge piece of legislation that yes. came out just not quite two years ago, right? And the effects of it are still rolling in over the next couple of years. So there's there's a lot of information to be dealt with. Uh, everybody remembers last year when people started signing up for the process, the the web portals, whether it was the federal government or the state of California, they weren't all quite ready for the onslaught of, of people to get in there and, and do the registration. Um, there's different requirements for companies of varying sizes that have yet to roll in completely. Mm-hmm. So it is very important to have information flow into your company. You would not want to be one of those companies, say, that's over 50 employees and realize you missed a deadline. Right. That would be a bad day. That would probably be a bad day, a bad year. Right. As you start dealing with the related fines and God knows how the IRS is actually going to be one collecting all those things, but you're, it's a different a different animal, right. and it's it's a little bit of a you know potential quagmire out there for companies and to navigate. When you're looking at their financial reporting, the people line items are a big are big contributors to the cost structure of most businesses, right? Well, when you look at a lot of businesses, service businesses in particular, payroll is number one. Number one. Um, rent might be number two. Right. Insurance and benefits, whether it's. Uh, general business insurance or employee benefit insurance, it's probably going to be number three. When you look at manufacturing environments, obviously you've got materials and everything else that might surpass the employee cost. Right. But no doubt any business employee cost is going to be probably the number one non-inventory expense. Right. And so helping them understand who are the right kind of advisors to talk to and kind of what to discern the fact from the fiction I mean, my experience is that in with many firms, the their CPAs, their 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 accounting firms that they work with, are usually in a very inner circle of trusted advisors, and I think that's because you see the business for what it is, right? Well, we you, do get you, to we get to see the business at many different levels. I mean, right. from from an audit standpoint, we see it from the top of the income statement to the bottom, so we get to look at everything. In everything. Um, when we're looking at how we advise a company, we're looking at where they might be wasting money. We're looking at where they've got risks they're not they're not covering, and certainly with employees, you know, they might not have the right metrics in terms of the mix of employees. They might not have the pay the right pay packages. They could be an early stage missing payroll tax deadlines, not providing benefits. I mean, there's a host of things that we see that get cleaned up. <laughs> and even with benefit plans, true benefit plans like 401k plans, um, they are generally misunderstood. Companies have an administrator or a trustee, and sometimes it's the HR person that is the person responsible to handle it. But they don't always know what they're handling. And right. you ask questions, and they don't get it. And it, it's um, it's an interesting requirement because those are so regulated right. that you need to have the right advisors if you don't have the expertise in-house to handle it. And they're hyper-important to the individual, to the employee, the, the 401k, the other benefit programs. Those are very personal, important things that they sort of expect somebody here to know about. But on the other side, as you said, they're so fragmented and there's so much to know, it's sort of hard with lower middle market and middle market firms to have that level of experience in-house. Sure. And, you know, even in the employees, the employees want to know that they've got medical insurance when they need it. If they're interested in a 401k plan, they want to know how to put the money in, how to move the money, how to borrow money if the plan provides for that. The employees don't know the inner workings of the plan, nor should they. Right. But when the HR people don't know the plan and there's nobody to turn to, it's you can get behind in filings. You can you can miss you know qualified markers in terms of participation. Uh, you can have high high net worth people taking too much into the plan, and you've got to like make a lot of corrections. So it's really important that those plans are well run, well maintained. And there's another side of this I didn't even touch on, which is any of these plans might have a personal effect. 
to the employee beyond the services they get, there are tax effects of these things. Mm. So there, if you mess up a plan, you might inadvertently cause income taxes to go up for an employee, which is, you know, not desired, not expected, not not yeah, favored. Not a good thing. Um, and even designing a plan for yourself, there are a host of different things that are happening where people are fully, employers are fully funding some plans today. Others are looking for the employees to share the costs to help maintain the overall cost pool at right. a lower state. Yeah, we're seeing we're living in we're living in interesting times as it relates to this. I think we are beginning to see a an evolution of benefit programs, what employees expect, how much responsibility employees take for their own um, benefits within the company, and you know it's an interesting time. I'm not sure where it's going to move in the future, but it seems like right now there's. Well, there's certainly been a ton of conversation for at least the past three years about, you know, whether it's the Affordable Care Act or other parts of that, which are making people realize that those benefits are important and they need to understand them. Because I think many times, especially the younger generation who are invincible, they don't really worry too much about the benefits in that because, you know, they're not necessarily looking to that yet. Well, that, that is an interesting, probably unintended consequence of, of the mandated health care law and that a younger person who might view themselves invincible might look at the paying the fine as more affordable than paying for insurance or, or kicking in for the premiums. So, you know, if you don't expect you're going to be sick, you, you right. know, you pay the fine and, or, you know, the problem is when you, when you do find that you need something like that, insurance is that, I like to call it that necessary evil because, you know, whenever you do need it, you're glad you had it. You're not happy paying for the premiums all those years that right. you didn't take advantage of it or didn't need it. Right. But the year you have an, have an issue, it's good to have it. It is good to have it, and good to have a good one, right, once you figure that out. If, right. you, if you have a, a plan that actually is going to give you the coverage that you need. You know, I'm going to go a little bit off script in a sense because um, I just want to ask you, because you've worked with private firms who have decided that it's right to be a public firm. Right. And, and you've seen very close and personally the change to the leader. And so we have CEOs business owners, middle market companies that listen to the show across the country. And I'm talking with Wayne Pinnell. He's managing partner at Haskell & White. Wayne, if, can you think about for a minute the couple things that are like aha moments or once you get the CEO to go through the process of becoming a public company, kind of in that maturation period, what's what do they... What would you say to somebody who's running a private company now who's thinking, you know what, the, the economy's right, now might be the time to get into the capital markets. What what couple things should they be thinking about before they really pull the trigger or at least begin to plan for that process? Because it takes time. Well, it certainly it takes time. Um, it, it takes money to raise money. It takes a, a team of advisors from legal, accounting, printing. Everybody's going to get involved in the thing. There's got, there's got to be a timetable. It, it's interesting because the single thing that actually came to mind as you asked that question was the entrepreneur who's created the company and now sees the opportunity to take it public has to somehow get past the ego side of taking it public because no longer should they refer to it once it's public as my company. Mm. In fact, it's not It's not their company. They just gave a big, for money, obviously, but they just right. gave a big portion away. And it, it's those leaders that recognize that they're growing something that's benefiting others and they respect the process, they respect the reporting, they want to talk to investors they recognize the investors have a right to know information because uh, it is not no longer anymore my company right Great. so getting out of that you know the entrepreneur gets it going but at some point good entrepreneurs who recognize that the business has to succeed them mm-hmm. 
recognize there's a time that somebody else becomes the chief executive officer and they become the chief entrepreneurial officer or some other title. Right, CTO or something else, depending on the company. One other question that I wanted to ask you, and, and hopefully you're not uncomfortable answering it, and maybe it's not even a question worth discussing. You tell me. When, when a CEO business owner looks at going public, it would seem to me the first place they should turn is to their chief financial officer. Maybe they don't have a CFO in in terms of a CFO, but they have somebody on their staff who's responsible for that function. I would think that's the first place as a CEO you'd have to look and say, do I have the right person in that chair for me to to help me get through this process? Because my my bias says that many CEOs maybe haven't been through that process before, but it would be nice to have somebody, especially on the financial side, if it's not your CPA firm, you need to have somebody at least in-house who's been through that process. Is that that something? Yeah, I mean, it's fair to say that a lot of companies that are thinking about going public if they've been you know growing private companies some things are missing on the infrastructure side they might have somebody they call a cfo which is a controller level person and and titles don't necessarily tell a story but they might be a good controller they can handle the debits and credits they can make sure the bills get paid on time but the cfo when you really think about the word financial in the middle is somebody who understands the markets helps navigate the markets can negotiate deals Um, there are companies that go public as they go public they fill chairs Okay. So you know, we had a recent experience with a company uh, in San Diego that uh, went public this past summer, and as they approached it, they had a chief accounting officer who had actually been through a number of public offerings, didn't desire to have the CFO spot this time around. <laughs> uh, a month before the filing went in, the CFO was put in place. Okay. As the filing was completed and the money was raised, the board seats were filled. Wow. So a lot of those things become deal points, lever points that have to happen. They all have to come together right. by the time the deal gets closed. Right. And, and But again, I think if you're planning it, time is your friend. And so if, you, if you're if you not going to do it tomorrow, it's going to be maybe a couple-year process for you. Start to go through a checklist and get those things in place. Because my bias would suggest, when, and maybe it's incorrect, it would be nice to have the CFO who'd been functioning like, with the skills of a CFO in a private company as the CFO for some period of time before you go public. It just, when you with the investors, it just feels to me that that might be an easier sell. Well, I mean, going all the way back to where we started this conversation, the better prepared the company is with its own information, the, the better they are to be able to pull documents out, the easier due diligence processes are going to go, the easier time they're going to have answering questions of the underwriter they bring on. The underwriter is going to dictate a lot okay. about what happens. Okay. So when they are thinking going public, you're getting the underwriter investment banker folks in tune with the company that understand the company's business help direct the company uh, through legal counsel they have legal counsel the company has legal counsel the company has auditors everybody's getting together and they're trying to really coach this company out of a box into a public structure i mean it's it's a pretty fascinating energizing right. fast-paced process right but there are a lot of pieces that are companies who wake up and realize that somebody's telling them you should go public because the market's right if, if you say go public now because the market's right, I, I guarantee you you're not going to make it because <laughs> the, they, they keep talking about market windows. Right. And it's amazing to see how opportunities are like windows. They open and close. Okay. And the markets are like that. When you hit periods of time in the, in the summer, mm-hmm. periods of time around the holidays, deals just don't get done. Vacations and holidays get in the way. Uh-huh. Uh, interests wane because it's the end of a school year and now we got to focus on something else or uh-huh. other deals have gotten done. Technology sectors do go one way. Typical manufacturing sectors go another. So it's it's important to get the advice of all of the parties. And some companies are ready to do it, but they time it. Right. Okay, we're ready, but let's not file it today because the prediction says 
filing three months from now would be better. There you go. Okay. Valuable advice. Listening to Wayne Pinnell, managing partner of Haskell and White. We're going to take our third and final commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. When we come back for the last segment, I got a few more things that I want to talk to Wayne about. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these words. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. SNH Rubber is a manufacturing company in Fullerton, California. We specialize in custom molded, extruded, and stamped rubber parts. If your next job requires a rubber part, we would appreciate the opportunity to quote on it. We serve aerospace, automotive, and many other industries. We work with many types of rubber, including silicone, EPDM, neoprene, buninitrile, and Viton. Our quality system is ISO and AS9100 approved. Over our 47 years in business, the SNH brand has become known for superior quality, quick turnaround, and competitive pricing. Please check out our website at www.shrubber.com or call 714-525-0277. Let SNH be your ceiling solution. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit axpgold.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at axpgold.com. I just want to share with you that I've been a member of the Center Club in Costa Mesa now for over five years. I've held my monthly CEO peer group meeting there. I have my annual executive conference, which, is, if you're listening live, is on Monday of next week. And all of my daily business meetings I hold, I hold at the club. You know, I found that staff to be professional and courteous. My guests enjoy meeting at the Center Club with its newly remodeled meeting rooms and dining rooms. And the common areas are just outstanding. They also host a lot of other functions. And so if you're looking for a place to conduct meetings, host events, meet some of Orange County's most successful and interesting business leaders, then I would strongly encourage you to consider joining the Center Club in Costa Mesa. If you'd like to have more information on club membership or private events, like I said, they host weddings and birthday parties, all types of activities. They've got programs specifically for the young and upcoming executives here in Orange County, women in business, a lot of focus on education and knowledge as well at the Center Club. I'd say visit their website, which is www.center-com club.com that's center-club.com and welcome back to this edition of critical mass radio show i am your host rick franzi wayne pinnell is managing partner at haskell and white he's our featured guest today i just want to let you know that we want to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our radio show as a podcast Uh, You've downloaded over 16,000 episodes during the last 30 days, and we here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. Of course, all of our shows can be heard live on octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime on iTunes, Stitcher.com, 
Spreaker.com for those of you in Europe. And you can pick that up here in the United States, too. But they've really established a song presence in Europe. Hundreds of business or uh, business po- uh, websites where we've had guests from their pro- their companies on our show. And they put the player on their website, as well as various podcasting services. Okay, Wayne, let's talk about a current challenge facing you as the managing partner at Hascom White. Do you have one? Yeah, and I actually I gotta say I think I'm in good company because <clears throat> pretty much all the accounting firms have the same one. We're all in the hunt for good people. It's interesting, you know, we're going through as most firms are right now, looking through the recruiting process to get those last few people to fill the slots that you need to get into the next so-called busy season. Right. And the perennial need is always what we call senior accountants, and they're typically people with two to five years experience, two to six years, uh-huh. maybe early manager type levels. Um, we've Why this, is that? Why is that two to five year, two to six year such a, it, an important Well, asset? it's an important role because historically in public accounting, the two to five year person are the ones that are really on the street running the running the engagements on a day-to-day basis. Okay. Um, two to five years is interesting because in the histor- history of public accounting, people will bail out of the profession at two general points. Two years because they've gotten the basic experience they need to get the actual CPA license. Five or six years because they've managed to be promoted to manager, and that's a, a, a new notch on on the uh, the tool belt for uh-huh. their resume, and that that sells to get them into a new spot. So if they've if they've survived for five, they might find a new life. I just made that up wow. um, as uh, they get out into market. So the two to five is critical because there are our boots on the street on okay. a daily basis. Um, what's difficult in public accounting today, and it's really been the case for the last several years, is with that so-called great recession. Firms didn't hire folks at the entry level. And so they didn't hire them at the entry level. Guess what happens? Two, three, four, or five years later, yeah, just, we don't have those people that should have started back then. So so it's very competitive in the marketplace. And I hear this in the local market. I hear this from the managing partners from firms across the country in our alliance network. Hmm. It's always probably, guessing here, number one every year, one of the top two or three issues accounting firms will cite okay. is getting good people. Because the people are our inventory. Right. They are the ones that serve our clients. They are the ones that we generate revenue from their activity. Um, so it's it's really paramount and important to get the best, the best people uh, right. that we can. So the profession continues to grow, right? I mean, you you the recession hit a lot of industry, a lot of professionals, uh, lawyers, etc. And now the economy is coming back, and schools are are producing graduates. Hopefully, that'll feed the industry and. Kind of, but your industry continues. It seems to me to continue to have a need for ever more talent. Well, we, you know, we like every other industry did have a, a fallback position, I suppose, when you look at what happened in the economy, because um, you know firms held off on hiring, so they didn't grow. Their clients were spending less during the recession. So, you know, I think probably the biggest uh, knock that most firms had was the the dearth of account of consulting type projects. You okay. know, the things that are really the nice uh, gravy projects that we pick up during the year. Right. Clients were a little bit you know tighter with those funds. So I'll wait till next year see if the economy is better. I don't want to spend money on that right now. So, you know, everything got managed through the recession. Uh, larger firms with bigger footprints. You know, they had a lot of real estate, a lot more real estate to manage than we do. So right. you know, again, top three, top three costs: people, real estate, and insurance. Uh, they're trying to manage, as, as we all do, manage those things to so-called perfect formula if you can find it. So when you're looking at growth, it's it's almost a double-edged sword. You can't grow without people, but you need people to grow. So <laughs> you know, finding that balance is right. a perennial challenge in any service firm, whether it's accounting, legal, or other, because revenue comes. 
from having the right mix of people at the right level to provide ever-increasing levels of service. Yeah, and you may disagree with me, and I'm talking with Wayne Pinnell, he's managing partner at Haskell White. Some CPA firms aren't comfortable investing in front of the revenue, right, putting the cost into the business before they actually see the, the revenue materialize. It, it is a difficult argument to make, especially um, if you are going to invest in somebody who has a niche practice. Uh, and, you know, and I think everybody in the profession is looking for what is the next thing we're going to do because the profession of public accounting has changed dramatically in the last 10 years. It will probably change dramatically in the next 15, 20 years. We are all looking for the next new service because, let's face it, auditing and, and tax returns is a fairly compliance-based business. Okay. okay. I have fun doing it, but it's not... You can say not, that with a straight the, face. I said it with a straight face. It's, <laughs> it's not the gravy. It's not the, taking the company public, doing yeah. the business consulting, helping with strategy. That's the fun stuff. Okay, Audits fill a need. They fill a requirement. They are our annual uh, baseline. Mm-hmm. You know, they, are, they and tax returns are what pay the bills, and it's the other projects that are more fun, they're more exciting, and they are more profitable. Okay. Uh, so investing in people... For niche practices is always harder because you want to make sure that they sell niche revenue very quickly to pay for themselves. Right. Uh, investing in entry-level staff, the risk there is just how many entry-level staff from a price point standpoint is mm. not where you're going to lose money. Right. Like you're going to find ways to put them together. Right. It's really investing in the higher-level yeah. people, it, trying to expand the firm horizontally. I got it. Well. Got it. We're talking with Wayne Pinnell, managing partner at Haskell White. Um, tell me about the future for your firm. Well, I think you know the future is uh, bright. I think we're looking at uh, growth. We're, we're very focused on growth in throughout Southern California. We've got okay. a, a growing presence in the San Diego market, which uh, we made an investment in several years ago. So if you talk about buying, you know, getting people ahead of the curve, right. we've been doing that. We've been right. living it. Um, we actually just got bigger, better space in the University Town Center area, UTC mm-hmm. in San Diego. So we just moved into that beginning, beginning of October. So. Um, I think we've proved after eight years in the San Diego marketplace that we are staying. So that's that's helpful, hopefully helpful to companies down there that think we've just kind of sent people down there. Uh, right. We have people that are resident down there, and we're looking at that marketplace being uh, a next big growing area for us. Meanwhile, up in Orange County, there's a lot of business up here. There's a lot of construction going on up here. There's a lot of places for business Amen. to move in. There's a lot of people moving in. So, again, we have other firms to compete with. But I think the general tide will wide for, rise for all of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you said, with uh, the, being a baseline of business, the accounting needs are going to be there. Right. I just also think the accounting needs are going to change. The services we offer in the future will probably be quite a bit different than what we do today. Okay. If someone wants to learn about Haskell & White, how do they find you online? Online, it's the classic www.hwcpa.com. H-W-C-P-A. That's like Haskell and White CPA. That is it. That's easy to remember. I know. Wayne, I've really enjoyed having you back. I'm so glad we were able to have you for the whole show. That was Uh, fun. We had a lot to talk about. You gave a lot of great content. Thanks for being willing to share your insights into your profession and helping our audience of CEOs running middle market firms learn a little bit more about your profession and their business from your perspective. Well, thanks. My pleasure to be here. Anytime. All right. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen. He said he'll come back, so we'll have to look at our calendar and get him back in the future. I'd like to thank our advertisers, because without our advertisers, we wouldn't be here. Brandman University, Center Club, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, <coughs> excuse me, MBN Design, 
of course, Smart Business Magazine, SNH Rubber, our longest sponsor, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. I really want to thank the team that puts this show together. Our engineer is Paul Roberts. Crystal Nunnally is our, our producer. Our assistant producer is Amanda Pointer. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard, marketing strategist and live events manager is none other than Asia Celestino. Our social media manager is Melissa Padani. Our VP of Sales, Rose Chamara. And I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about our business, visit Critical Mass for spelled F O R business.com. Until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 